A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing. Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I'm Improper Mark. So that means we don't have biz this week? Uh, no, I can try to do a British accent, but it'd probably be pretty bad. But I will say, it would probably be bad. Yeah. Oh man, I can't get an get an episode without that. Uh, yes, dear listeners, uh, Biz is busy uh, with prior commitments. He is going to be uh, performing in uh, the fair country of England. I'll let him talk about that when he gets back on a future podcast. But we have Week One action to talk about now. Improper Mark, I know that you love these episodes. I know that you are fervently active in our league. Could you give the listeners just a little bit of a, an idea about like how long you've been with the league and how you did last year? So I think this is my fourth or fifth year in the league. And last year, I came in third due to a scoring change on Josh Allen's totals. That was sort of the, the because of the weird ending to the season where DeMar Hamlin mm-hmm. collapsed. They basically canceled that game, and so then we had to add the week um, 18 games. Yeah. And sort of sort out the final scores. And it's the best I've ever finished in this league. It's the best I've finished in a fantasy football league since, like, 1996. So My God. Yeah. Well, there was a huge gap in my involvement. I was very active from 96 to, like, 2005, and then I stopped until I rejoined you and Biz. And you have been dominating the mark name ever since clearly you did significantly better than me (laughs) last year but let's move on to this year based off of everything that we saw in a crazy week one what is your biggest overreaction i think the thursday night game i was very surprised Uh, i mean we all know how important travis kelsey is to the chiefs but i did not expect the chiefs to look that poor and i know that there were a lot of drops but it just from an offensive standpoint, they look more mediocre than I remember. But I, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they do have Patrick Mahomes. So your overreaction be... was, oh, the Chiefs weren't that good, but they'll be better? I don't know. I, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being too diplomatic here. Um, My overreaction after the Seahawks and Rams game is Geno Smith has regressed back to Giants Geno Smith. My God, that game was an absolute atrocity, mainly from the second half onward. But if if anybody saw that clip of Geno Smith just saying, oh, my God, when Aaron Donald was barreling in on him immediately after the snap, just just everybody remember that even though he was injured last year, Aaron Donald still exists. Okay, that's my overreaction. Do I think that's going to be the case this next week? I don't know, but that was how it felt. That was very surprising. Uh, The Seahawks did not play well. my my team is the 49ers. I was trying to avoid talking about them, but the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they absolutely curb stomped the Steelers. And now you feel like, oh, you know, they the the pieces they have they're so strong. I, I just want to be like they're gonna fail through the regular season. But of course, you know that's not the case. 
it's it was so weird to see a team like the Steelers that's usually as well coached and as well put together just be absolutely manhandled. And yes, the 49ers are a tier S team this season. They possibly could have been in the Super Bowl had it not been to a fluke UCL injury to Brock Purdy in the conference championship game last year. And they're clearly trying to position themselves as being the team to beat. But man, I just didn't think Tomlin and Steelers would be curb stomped that badly. Yeah, that was very surprising. Like, you know, there's a there's occasionally games like that where one team runs away with it at the very beginning, but I just did not anticipate that in week one against the Steelers. Whatever the Giants are, this might be my best overreaction, but I think the Giants are <laughs> terrible. The Giants are just really, really Oof. bad. And Daniel Jones is not a franchise quarterback. I mean, when he's when getting he hears, paid the same that Dak Prescott is. I know, which is, well, <laughs> Dak Prescott is not a, you know, he, <laughs> the way that the national media talks about him, you think he was. He's the longest single-team yeah. tenured quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, he is, he is, he is quality, but in, you know, falling short a lot, uh, especially in the playoffs the last two years. I mean, the, there was the uh, incredibly strange not spiking the ball against the 49ers two years ago, and then last year they, they uh, failed once again. I think he threw at least two interceptions. So, But the, the Giants, the Giants are they just looked so bad. Their offensive line looked so bad. And Daniel Jones, it kind of reminds me of the Colin Kaepernick experiment where as soon as teams started to recognize that he wasn't much of a threat throwing the ball, they just kind of keyed in on him running the ball, and it just I'm not a lot to offer. So I, I, I don't see good things happening for the Giants this year. I think maybe that's my uh, – like I'm so impressed with the Dallas defense, but at the same time I think the Giants are just awful. I don't disagree with that right now. I, I have higher hopes for the Giants. And yes, it's week one. And yes, it's September. Things may completely change when we talk about November and things like that. I think their season's going ride to ride or die based off of their young offensive line and whether or not they can quickly redevelop and things like that. Because they still have fantastic talents in the likes of Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. But regardless, I digress. Those are our overreactions for week one. Listeners... If you're interested in letting us know what your overreactions are, go ahead and let us know at our Twitter, slash X, at Improper Fantasy, or go ahead and email us at ImproperFantasyPodcast at gmail.com. We love reading your comments and your witty remarks, mainly just making fun of Biz, or me, but, you know, <laughs> that, that keeps us going anyway. Moving right along to what this podcast is really about, which is fantasy football. It's right in the name. We quickly saw in our league two teams rise above the rest of everybody else. I don't think anybody's going to be shocked that Roger, the hammer, <laughs> last year's champion, is walking out of week one with an absolutely dominant score, leaving with the second highest points, only by maybe, by, only by less than a point out of first place of points for the week. But maybe a little bit more shocking to listeners who aren't familiar, newcomer Ellie, absolutely decimated me and I had the highest points out of all the losing teams this week but this is who he's got he's got Travis Etienne who had a fantastic day he had Amon Ross St. Brown who is going to be a top five wide receiver this year uh, ended up with the Washington defense who got decent points for playing against the Cardinals but he has Tyreek Hill on his team 
And that's really where the big difference was. Yeah. <clears throat> Tyreek Hill is... Tyreek Hill and Jeffrey Jefferson, those two guys are just, just out of control. It's, uh, it's not fair. It's not fair. And I want to remind listeners that my two playmaking studs on my team are Patrick Mahomes and Austin Eckler, and I was manhandled this week. It's not fair, it's not right, and I have to talk to whoever's in charge about getting this fixed. I mean, you, you <sighs> lost by 30? and I lost by 30. Yeah, and uh, and Kelly, like Lamar Jackson is Kelly's QB, and Lamar Jackson had a very poor game by his standards. Only like six points. So, I mean, not helping me out was the fact that Drake London also didn't catch a pass. So, you know, that didn't help. Yeah, I put up <laughs> my score against the top scoring offense in the league. Improper mark. Who did Roger play in Week One? Uh, he played me, and um, he beat me by. Was that 55? Yeah. Something uh, was, close to that. 53 yeah, and a half points. Yeah. It was um, It was not going to be close. He has the Dallas defense, which put up the second most points of anyone in all of fantasy football behind Tyreek Ty Hill. And yep. then I had Aaron Rodgers as my starting QB, so I got a nice fat zero there. And I also have Garrett Wilson, who did have a decent game. Um, put up the but, play of the year so far. Yeah. For sure, but um, I want—I was really interested to see what the two of them were going to do together, not what Garrett Wilson will do with Zach Wilson. So We'll touch more on that game as we get into our game recaps and how we really feel about that, but ultimately, that was a massive blow to you because if the two of those guys were in sync, you easily could have ended up with another 30 or 40 points potentially uh, mm-hmm. based off of a good game. You probably still would have just lost because you didn't mention that he also had Christopher McCaffrey who went crazy too. Yeah, yeah, and and he, I mean, he beat me by fifty three and a half points with Josh Allen having a terrible game. So his team is stacked. I. Uh... What is your strategy moving on from Aaron Rodgers? Uh, so there were not a lot of options. On the waiver wire, I uh, I was hoping that maybe Anthony Richardson was available, but he was drafted, and um, I went back to someone I drafted in Brock Purdy. So Brock Purdy is going to have to be my my QB going forward. But um, I'll be honest, my the way the draft kind of played out, um, I don't really think that my team is as dynamic as I had hoped. And um, I would need a lot of guys to develop into really, really consistent quality players uh, to have a real chance, I think, going forward. So um, for now, it's Brock Birdie. I also picked up Jordan Love. We'll see if maybe one of them can, can turn into a pretty consistent producer. They both looked really good week one. And I, I don't, you know, because my first round pick was Garrett Wilson, and it hurts with Aaron Rodgers out. Oh, no, sorry. My, my second round pick was Garrett Wilson. I took Derek you Henry. You had tra- uh, Derek Henry yeah. in round one. Yeah. So just to let the uh, listeners know, this is what your team currently looks like. Brock Purdy, Derek Henry, Damian Pierce, who didn't have a great first week, but he's a solid running back. Garrett Wilson, scary Terry McLaurin. Darren Waller, one of the better tight ends. I see you picked up Puka Nakua. Like, that's, that's, he's an interesting name out of the first week. I wasn't happy about that, but he was an interesting <laughs> Like, he was just the Cooper Cup replacement for week one. Yeah, um, I actually picked him up when Cooper Cup went on IR. So I had him before the game 
But, you know, I, 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 my three wide receivers going into the week were Garrett Wilson, Terry McLaurin, and Christian Watson. But then Christian Watson was ruled out, so I went with Brian Robinson, the uh, yeah. Washington running back, who was who also had better a, than okay. expected. Okay. Yeah. But um, in retrospect, it would have been cool to play Puka Nakua. But... That would have been awesome because you could have told everybody, I knew it, I picked him up, <laughs> I started him, but yeah. we now know he exists. He's going to be playing against the slightly better defense this week, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, but he he was such an unknown that when I picked him up last week, he didn't have a headshot on the ESPN page, so he was just a, <laughs> a grayed out silhouette. Yeah. So rounding out our recap of the league, um, unfortunately, improper marks due to the, what happened to your starting quarterback and uh, the lower expected total from Garrett Wilson. You did end up with the dubious distinction of having the fewest points scored in week one. But closely in front of you, the second fewest points scored in week one was our very own Biz. Biz ended up losing week one to Ryan. Ryan's team was, I would say, above average. He had a couple of players that over, I, I would say, exceeded expectations. Uh, Mike Evans did very, very well. Six catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Calvin Ridley had a hell of a hell of a debut with the, the Jaguars. They looked like they're definitely going to be winning on the end of that trade. Aaron Jones had a great day. Nick Chubb had a great day. And ultimately, I would say the entirety of Biz's team just underperformed from top to bottom. It wasn't like any one failure. Justin Fields didn't have a great day. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Both underperformed in a win against Denver. And honestly, don't sleep mm -hmm. on this Broncos defense. They're good. It's just the yeah. offense couldn't score more than 16 points per week. Uh, but the, the Denver defense is very good. So be, be very, very concerned about your players if you have to play against that defense. What do you think about Biz's matchup? Josh Jacob was leading rusher last year. And, of course, he... I, th I think the Raiders had something like 50 yards rushing in the game, so his his point totals were very low. Uh, I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo at all, having had him be the quarterback of the 49ers in the past. So Devontae he Adams... Yes, but he's kind of a unique quarterback because he does... like He, did, he was did just enough to win, but it was hardly comfortable. And I think that year they went to the Super Bowl it's because Raheem Mostert went absolutely insane in the playoffs. I mean, he ran, he ran all over the Packers, and then they stopped running the ball against the Chiefs, and, you know, things didn't go well after that. Um, he had Najee Harris, and I'm, as you, I'm sure, can uh, attest to after shaking him very early last year, I just mm. don't think he's a particularly valuable fantasy, fantasy back, and he got smothered by the 49ers. And then, you know, the, the guys in Cleveland with, with Deshaun Watson still sort of finding his way it's hard. It's hard to to bank on a lot of consistency there, and and uh, Deshaun Watson didn't. Even though they did win, they, they he's not what I remember him being at at his peak with the Texans yet. But we'll see if he no. Does but even though he looked bad at the end of last season, and even though he didn't look like vintage Deshaun Watson this past week, I, I I want to. I'll probably say this like eighteen times over the next three weeks or so. September is weird. Good yep. teams don't play well because most of these teams aren't playing their starters until the last week of the preseason, if at all. I want to remind listeners 
that many times during those Patriots Super Bowl victories last decades, that they started like one and three one year. They started two and two a couple of years. Just because, like, hey, some players aren't quite right. Tom Brady gets suspended for the first four games, or you don't have everybody in sync 100%. I'm not yet concerned of whether or not Deshaun Watson's going to be a great long-term idea. I'm I'm willing to give him through the end of October before I uh, dub him this guy is trash and he should be out of the league. Now, Hmm. for other reasons, he's probably trash and should be out of the league, but I digress. I'm a fantasy football analyzing guy and i have to speak these things as objectively as i can and that is what we have for our week one league recap now before we move on to our game recaps i want to go ahead and just talk a little bit about the top fantasy players not going to go into as much detail this year about each and every individual player but the top performing quarterback wide receiver and running backs were Tua Tungavailoa and tyreek hill Mainly both of those guys off of just Tyreek Hill, but then Christian McCaffrey doing Christian McCaffrey things. I don't think anybody is shot at those three players. Being at the top of those lists, we saw how good Tua was when he was healthy at the beginning of last year. It was all-world talent. Yeah, and uh, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and uh, the way that Mike McDaniel has that the offense, offense built there, they're just going to score a lot of points. I always feel like they're they're... One play away from a 70-yard touchdown. It just seems to happen every week. So, What might be more surprising to some of our listeners is quarterback two for the week was Mac Jones. Now, I did not realize that that was the stat until I looked at the scoring leaders list, and I was just like, wait, really? It was, wait, what? <laughs> uh, but people have to remember that this past week, so many of these great quarterbacks just did not perform well. I mean, only three quarterbacks scored three touchdowns. Nobody scored more than three. It was Tua who had three and 466 yards. Matt Jones had three passing touchdowns, 316 yards off of 54 pass attempts. And then Jordan Love, the heir apparent, 245 for three touchdowns. Those were your leading quarterbacks this past week. I I actually did not know that. Um, None of the usual suspects at the top there. Hey, yeah. At least Patrick Mahomes is in the top five. So. Yeah, he's he's number four, but this is in a down week for Patrick Mahomes. So th- this all goes again to be able to just point out, like, don't don't claim the sky is falling on you guys just because week one is doing the thing it does. Uh, wide receiver three for the week was Jacoby Myers, and I think that's mainly due to the fact that Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels are conspiring to let previous Patriots players uh, just get all the touchdowns for the week. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. Did he score three touchdowns, or was it two touchdowns? Or... I think he scored two touchdowns. Okay, so yeah, Let okay. me double-check. Jacoby Myers, he finished the day for eight, nine receptions, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. What was more interesting is everybody was so hyped on Bijan Robinson about this mm-hmm. fantastic, awesome player. And Bijan did end up as running back seven on the week, but he wasn't even the best running back on his own team. Highly hyped running back by me last year, Tyler Algier, ended up as running back four with 15 carries for 75 yards, and he got two touchdowns. I think they were treating him more like a goal line back. But that, what that tells me, when you're seeing Bijan and Algier going in tandem, Arthur Smith, who did used to be the offensive coordinator for the Titans when Derrick Henry was going crazy, likes to run the ball. Yeah, I, again, like, uh, you know, I'm super excited to see Bijan Robinson, and uh, 
I, you know, they had listed him as the number one back on the depth chart, so naturally I assumed that he was going to be the, uh, the leader. And then, yeah, I was not expecting that for them to have two, yeah, two running backs in the top seven, which is, which is crazy. It's, it's, it's really impressive in the, the running back by committee league that we have now to have two guys do that. So, I mean, we may see this more and more as the season goes on. So Algier may be one of those guys. If he's available in your league, like Bijan is clearly the future. Bijan is clearly the better overall pick. But if Algier ends up being a top 15 running back, like that's a starter in most leagues. He should not be in free agency in any league after waivers clear this week. That That's just my thought. Yep, no, for sure. I think he was drafted in our league, so um, even with Bijan, so somebody, somebody looks smart. Who was that? It was Ned. Oh, it's Ned. Ned, yeah. gosh, Ned, just a thorn in everybody's side. He always puts together <laughs> sneakily really good teams, and I don't recall if he played if his team finished well at the end of last season. I think he still was a playoff team. I might be wrong, but he always puts together sneakily good fantasy teams. Moving on into our game recaps. We don't want to go across every single game. You have ESPN and you've got YouTube to be able to fill that need. But there were a couple of games in this first week that definitely make statements in some way or another. And we're going to start with the first game of the season where the Lions bit the kneecap of Travis Kelsey and he could not go for that first game. He tried. They gave him a pain shot about an hour and a half before the game. They determined he could not go. They still did not have Chris Jones. All that aside, doesn't matter. You play who you are in front of. And the Lions beat the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs in Arrowhead by one point on Thursday night. I was really surprising. I was really surprised by... In a couple of ways. One, I, I was surprised at how poor the Chiefs' offense looked. Um, they didn't try to run the ball that much. They barely used Jarek McKinnon, um, which I thought they would do because he's a veteran. And, right of Georgia Southern. And then, but also, I thought that the Chiefs' defense played better than I expected because it wasn't like the Lions were lighting them up. And even though Chris Jones wasn't playing, I thought that with the way the Chiefs were struggling, that the Lions might just pull ahead, and it just didn't happen. Impressed that the Lions grinded it out, but at the same time. Um, I have sort of uneasy feelings about both teams right now. The thing that's interesting to know about the Chiefs' defensive line, and, and there is no substitute for Chris Jones. There, there just is not. However, they have invested a lot of resources in draft and free agency and development over the past number of years in just their front seven. George Karloftis was a first-round pick. This past year, they drafted Felix Anadike Uzama. Derek Nottie's been on this team for a very long time. He's been on both of their Super Bowl teams. They've got Jack Conkren, Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel. These are all people that they have drafted and developed to try to get after the quarterback. And I guess that, yes, Chris Jones would have made that defense better. But at the same time, these are guys that have high upside that they were focusing on drafting. People get, well, I personally get so caught up in how good Patrick Mahomes is and Travis Kelsey that I think sometimes I'm, I'm being a little bit almost disrespectful to their defense. It could be. And like I said before, like this was not a Pat Mahomes type of performance, but he was still quarterback four. So there are some people who are claiming that the sky is falling. I'm probably going to say that a lot this week. They're, they're, <laughs> they're saying the sky is falling just off of Pat Mahomes not scoring four touchdowns and throwing a pick in his first uh, game of the season, which that, that's just an unheard of type of situation. But again, it's a weird 
first week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a weird month, I think. And I think overall, if you drafted any of these top Chiefs players, Kelsey or Mahomes, you're going to end up the season happier than not. What I was a big fan of with this game was Amonra St. Brown, who just, he looked like he was, he had arrived. He, he looked like he honestly had been there this whole time and was just offended that people didn't see him before. Six receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. But every single time he caught the ball, it was a fantastic snatch. Yep. Yeah, he looked really good. And also, one of your guys, Jameer Gibbs, looks mm-hmm. electric. And uh, I look forward to seeing him get the ball a lot more going forward. I do, too. They, they kind of paced him a little bit in this first game. Uh, he had two targets. Uh, in the passing game, he only carried the ball seven times. They were really leaning more on David Montgomery, and I think that's going to be what their plan is for this first season with him. But the 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 dynamicism for Jameer Gibbs, passing and rushing, I think that's where the long-term value with him is going to be. At the same time, like I looked over David Montgomery because I just never thought he was that good with the Bears, and clearly the Lions have a plan for him. Yeah, yeah. My 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 favorite Jameer Gibbs play though was when he juked himself out of his own pants and just <laughs> fell over. So <laughs> he was ready, but uh, yeah. he was ready for him to be ready. Yeah. So. so a lot of what we're going to be talking today about a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is going to be just how did this happen, and we're going to continue on by talking about the Cleveland Browns just elbowing just drop kicking just power bombing the Cincinnati Bengals 24 to 3 in a game that I don't think we've ever seen out of Joe Burrow. Yeah, that again like you know some of the morning games here going and I'm checking the box scores and it's like why do the Bengals have no points? And like, you know, T Higgins ends up with no catches and Jamar Chase has a very pedestrian game and it's just like Something's off, like like as you're saying, like it was just something weird is happening at the beginning of the season. Maybe it's rest. Maybe he celebrated too hard after signing that contract. I mean, he, let him celebrate. He just got two hundred seventy-five million dollars. This this if this is his way of celebrating, of just having the first game of the season that everybody's going to be weird for anyway. I think the Bengals are going to end up fine. But fourteen completions on thirty-one attempts for eighty-two yards. That that's just mm, not good. <laughs> that's uh, atrocious. Yeah. You know what looked good was freaking Miles Garrett. Oh yeah, yeah. Who ended up getting four quarterback hits, one sack, two tackles, another tackle for loss. Miles Garrett plays the Bengals differently than any other team. It is clear that he is not going to be happy if the Bengals ever get a win over him. I don't know if that means anything. It just might mean that the Bengals have to lose a game here or there to the Browns on a consistent basis while they're still good against everybody else. But Miles Garrett, I, I think, is like one of the top six, seven, eight players players in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if he's an elf, he's one of those elves from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if we want to like nerd out a lot, it could have the Urukai were like deformed elves, so he could have yeah. been like the, man. How many listeners just turned off when I was using a Lord of the Rings speak? We're gonna move off from that. Uh, Deshaun Watson had a fairly pedestrian day: sixteen completions on twenty-nine attempts, hundred fifty-four yards, a touchdown, an interception. Took three sacks, so he's clearly not all that. But Nick Chubb, 
106 yeah. yards, doing Nick Chubb things, just yeah. consistent. And Nick Chubb is uh, he's one of the, the really special backs in the league right now. And I'm also kind of curious to see how Elijah Moore does there. Um, I'm, he, too. I'm glad he yeah. got a fresh start. Yeah. Speaking of fresh starts, Anthony Richardson. Segway. That was nice. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better at those transitions. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Richardson had a, in a losing effort, had a very, very good day for a debuting rookie. 24 completions on 37 attempts, 223 yards, touchdown and a pick. He also had 10 carries for 40 yards on the ground and another touchdown there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't, he didn't put up like a 400-yard game. He didn't have like Cam Newton deb- debut games, but... Anthony Richardson certainly looked the best out of all the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, personally, I was worried about what might happen with Michael Pittman Jr. with uh, with Anthony Richardson. And obviously that was totally unfounded because he had a yeah, really He looked fine. Game. Yeah. Looked and, fine. Like, I'm down on Michael Pittman Jr. He looked mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I know that um, Jonathan Taylor's not there and that their running game without him is just... Bad, but yeah, but uh, it it would be you know and maybe things can be worked out with the Colts for him, but it would be interesting to see what they what they could do with him in there as well. So, listeners may recall last week that I had suggested that Deion Jackson might have been somebody for you to pick up for your fantasy league. Well, he got 13 carries for 14 yards, so I'm glad he would have been like a free agent or a last round pickup for most of you. But my God, this. He he had the opportunity to be able to make a statement, and he just did not do much with it. I think this team is now actively trying to figure out what they can get for Jonathan Taylor and hope that they end up getting another starting caliber running back back. Yeah, they they have to figure something out because they I mean they don't have anything. I don't even think they have a any like exciting rookies or anything like that to step in. They have Evan Hull on the team, and but he's like they're gonna have to like give him a big load of carries to be able to see if he can handle it, but we'll see. It it just doesn't look good. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Trevor Lawrence looked really, really good, completing 75% of his passes for 241 yards. Two touchdowns, one pick, though. He looked good. This is the Jaguars we expected. 31 points. Travis Etienne looked like he was doing pretty good. Uh, Tank Mm -hmm. Bixby ended up getting a touchdown, so if you were trying to snag those like rookie running backs at the end of this past year's draft... Uh, you ended up getting at least a touchdown out of him. And Calvin Ridley just looks like the first-round wide receiver that the Falcons were hoping to get out of him. I wouldn't bet against Calvin Ridley this year. What would you say? No, I mean, he... Like, I, I had targeted him in the draft, and I was hoping to get him, but, uh, you know, he I think he went a couple picks before me, but he's really good, and, and uh, that, you know, that whole betting scandal and all that stuff and him just not playing was... For me, I kind of forgot just how... How really good he is, and I'm glad that he's back and playing well. And and I thought Zay Jones looked quite good as well. So, yeah, uh, go figure. When you've got a number one in front of Zay Jones, Zay Jones can flourish as a number two. Yeah, it was interesting to see Christian Kirk basically get like almost no, no, no targets at all. But you know, he only so many mouths to feed, right? So. He got his money in free agency. He's going to be yeah, fine. He's fine. He, he, like, he's not going to end up being like anything fantastic in the long term, but he got his money. So I don't feel bad for him. Maybe he'll get a fresh start at the end of the season, but I don't think he's going to be anything. 
uh, if yeah. Zay Jones and uh, Calvin Ridley continue to put up these numbers. But uh, Calvin Ridley, if he keeps putting up games like this, like it before he got injured, Calvin Ridley had this kind of he was top ten drafted wide receiver in a lot of leagues. And honestly, when he plays, the game on the field is just a better product to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. It's just a, he's a difference maker. He's a real difference maker for the Jaguars. So it'll be it's it'll be interesting to see how much they progress this year. We're gonna stay talking about a Florida team in what arguably could have been the most enjoyable game to watch for this entire first weekend: Chargers and Dolphins. Like, I, I decided to red zone it for the first week and just keep going back and forth and back and forth. It seemed like more than 70% of the afternoon red zone was just focused on Chargers-Dolphins because they were constantly in the red zone. Like, you had Tyreek Hill going off here and there. You had Austin Eckler doing his things. You had Herbert doing things. You had Tua not getting injured and putting up his best or second best performance ever. I mean, this is what we wanted Herbert Tua healthy. Please, can we get a healthy Tua season? Yeah, I I love shootout games. I, I think they're they're awesome to watch and they're great for fantasy sports. Um, and like you said, great game for Tyreek Hill, um, Austin Eckler, and even Josh Kelly had a quite an effective mm-hmm. day. Um, and Justin Herbert and, and Tua, they're both it's really fun to watch. So. Those are the really fun games. I wish that every game was kind of like that, but you know, not everybody's got the, uh, the players to make that happen. No, this is both of these teams are the teams that you're just looking for. We did get to see a Donald Parham sighting this past week, the six foot eight tight end slash split lineman who who lines up and and catches every now and then. Fans of Madden 2023 will remember Donald Parham cards. Even though he was like a low overall, you just take Donald Parham because you throw the ball up and he's taller than everybody else. I did not realize he was that tall. Um, yeah, like you can put him up against uh, Alejandro Villanueva and he will, t- he will be taller than him. Oh my gosh. Like really we could go on and on and on about that one game but really i think the best thing that i can do is use this as a plug for something that's not a sponsor just get nfl game pass go back and watch that game or even watch the highlights on nfl's youtube channel this was the game that honestly nobody should should miss a game that everybody should have missed though was cowboys against the giants which we already touched on before but 40 to 0 yeah, I saw a tweet out there about how no team over the course of a season had ever been had lost a turnover battle three to zero, had been out sacked more than or seven plus to zero, had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown, and an interception return for a touchdown or something like that. And the Giants did it all in one game. Well, how many points did Dallas have before Dak Prescott even got on the field? Was it like sixteen or something? <laughs> like oh. You know, they, they were introducing the offense for the Cowboys near the end of the first quarter. And, and at that point, I was I turned off the television. So. <laughs> Dak Prescott did not score a touchdown in this game. Dak Prescott did not score a touchdown at all. And in fact, the offense had not scored a touchdown until they were already up by 19 points when Tony Pollard ran <laughs> it in for two yards and they went up 26 to zero. The Cowboys' defense in many fantasy leagues was either the number one, two, or three defense, depending on where you put the Packers or the Patriots. This Cowboys team with Micah Parsons 
and Trevon Diggs is they're they're real they're here they want to put a statement out there oh yeah 49ers sorry i didn't mean to just completely like gloss over them as being clearly best defense in the league but if there's anything that this defense on sunday night was trying to make a statement to i think it was a statement against the 49ers and the eagles saying you guys don't have the elite defense it's us so i'm excited to see what those matches are going to look like as the season goes on that October 8th game coming up in just about a month or so, where the Cowboys go out to, uh, what is it, Levi's? Yeah, yep, Levi's. That's going to be fun. That, that might be the, the, the game of the second quarter of the season, like the, the, must, the, the must watch. Although, if you're like me and you like watching defense versus defense, then it's going to be the best <laughs> of that. But uh, it's not going to be a Chargers uh, Dolphins game. I don't think, but you know, they both have dynamic weapons too, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that that is going to be really fun. Uh, I know that the Cowboys they're going to want payback against the Niners for the last two years in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, but it only um, counts in the playoffs, so even if the uh, <laughs> the Cowboys beat the 49ers, it doesn't matter. Yes, At least that's exactly. what you 49ers fans <laughs> will say if that happens. Honestly, I think you guys are just going to end up beating them anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yes, well, uh, I hope that's the case. We only have one more game that we're going to talk about before we wrap up the recaps. And, of course, it has to be the, the biggest story of week one. We've seen the hype. We had the darkness retreat. We had the hemming and hawing. <laughs> we had, I've made my decision, I'm going to play for the Jets. The trade that took two months to get there. The offseason with Rodgers campaigning, do not give us hard knocks. Hard knocks being given to the Jets anyway. And then hard knocks turning that whole story into really the best feel-good story about Aaron Rodgers. He's coming to a city where he feels like he's appreciated. He's coming to a city where he can be reborn, he can be himself, and he's going to come out there and he wants to make the Jets fans happy and proud. And he wants to make sure that that trophy that looks lonely has some friends. Four plays. Leonard Floyd wraps him up. Aaron Rodgers tries to break out of it. Torn Achilles. Yep. Out for the year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I actually went to the very first game at, uh, what is the stadium called now? I don't know if it's still MetLife. The Meadowlands? Yeah. So I, when they opened that new stadium, I, I actually attended the very first game when I was living in New York. A few years ago, Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas on the same turf both tore their ACLs. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a terrible ankle sprain, foot injury there, and then um, Emmanuel Mosley of the 49ers ended up tearing his ACL playing on the artificial turf in Carolina, mm-hmm. and this whole debate comes up again about they should just play on natural grass, and yep. all over Twitter is just thousands of pictures of his Achilles tendon snapping, and you can see the, 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 the tendon roll up and the calf muscle buckle and all this stuff, and I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, I I am sad that he wasn't the first overall pick by the 49ers instead of Alex Smith all those years ago. Bay Area kid. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think was he from Chico? Yep. Um, you know, fantasy football reasoning aside, because he was my quarterback, I did I do feel bad for him because he didn't even really get like a chance to show anything. I mean, to to just have the one drive, and then I mean, and he handled that so impressively because. You know, you, I can't imagine that felt good. And he just sat down and he didn't like 
scream or yell or anything, and no, nope. you know, they took him. So um, that was that was really sad. And then to have to go to Zach Wilson was just still figuring it out. And maybe with Aaron Rodgers' mentorship, Zach Wilson can become a, a, a suitable starting quarterback. But it just completely changes the offensive look for the Jets this season. Their defense was was amazing, so they uh, pulled it off. Um, well, at least Zach Wilson was good enough to make sure that this team didn't lose. Because in light of all of that, the Jets still win in overtime against division rivals Bills and Josh Allen. Now, that being the case, I do want to throw a shout out to other friend of the podcast, Justin, who, who, who has put it on the record at this point. He thinks that the Bills and Josh Allen are going to fall off a cliff this season. He thinks that too much time away from Brian Dable being the offensive coordinator is going to lead to him to regress. Hmm. I don't think I'm going that far, but I, I, we saw a little bit of that where he was being more careless with the way that he was throwing the ball and running headstrong with that. But we were robbed, quite frankly, because yeah. everybody who's come on this podcast at one point or another has said, I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. At the same time, I think we all can agree that he, over the past like 10 years, he, he is... Currently in the league, the best all-time greatest quarterback that, that's currently still playing in the league. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is one of the best mind field generals out there. He's one of the most aware people. The amount of times he can just run up to the line and snap the ball quick as people are slowly getting off the field. Nobody does it better than him. Mm -hmm. And I think we were all just excited that this team, that we all clamored, they are one quarterback away from being true contenders. The Jets are not allowed to have nice things. I am convinced, <laughs> yeah. and I've said this to multiple people, I'm convinced that somebody in the late 60s sold their soul to the devil, said, <laughs> we just want to win one Super Bowl, and we can be miserable for the rest of existence. I am convinced that that is the reason why Rich Eisen and Mike Greenberg are not allowed to have nice things. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that happening. And yeah, it's, just, it's such a shame, because... Again, living in New York for a long time, I met a lot of pretty crazy Jets fans, and they just wanted their team to be good. And, and like, Brees Hall, when his first carry is, like, 26 yards, the second carry is 83 yards. And it's just like, they have the weapons, they, you know, but they, they just need a quarterback. And... They do. So, but one but... thing that, I've, that, that I think can come out of as positive is how this can impact Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's biggest knock against him in his first two years was the immaturity and the lack of accountability and his un un inability to stay healthy all the time. But he's now going to be the guy. He is unquestioned the guy. He is the best possible person to come in since he's been in that offense for two years. Mm -hmm. He is a first-round pick talent. He's a second-overall pick talent. And now, after being humbled, having his spot taken away from him by a player that the Jets decided they'll give $35 million to. They actually decided they'd give potentially next year $100 million before they restructure the contract to correct the mistake that was Zach Wilson and also mm -hmm. trade away draft capital, by the way. Packers no <laughs> longer get a first-round pick in this. Zach Wilson was essentially told, you are such a problem that we're willing to give all this up to fix you. And he's been handling it very well. He understands what his role is. He's been listening, learning from Aaron Rodgers. And now he's going to have Rodgers coaching him up the rest mm -hmm. of the year after he's been humbled. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, like, it could, it could be the best possible 
thing for Zach Wilson, and, and and it might help him turn into a real quality starter. And if the next year the the Jets have to decide if they want to, you know, trade Zach Wilson for some capital, or they want to, I don't know. That's something that they hope happens, but we'll, we'll see. So, we will. I, I do hope he will. I do hope Zach Wilson does well. I I um. When he was when the 49ers traded up for the third overall pick, I really thought they were going to go for Zach Wilson and not Trey Lance. But they didn't have the opportunity. Yeah, the Jets because the Jets had Sam Darnold, so I thought the Jets were okay with Sam Darnold, but they decided they weren't. And um, I think the 49ers, as we all know, kind of messed that up. So yeah, could have had Mac Jones. Yeah, could have had Mac Jones. Could have had Jamar Chase. So. Yeah. Instead, you got Brock Purdy, and look where you are now. I know. I know. You can't. You can't complain. <laughs> so, we're gonna go ahead and leave Week One alone. Looking ahead to Week Two, we got a lot more straightening out with this league. Trying to figure out what's going to happen with these teams. That are they really this? Are they not this? Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the Seahawks and Lions game this week. Um, Clearly, I don't think a lot of people are going to be picking the Seahawks for that game, but I have confidence in my team. <laughs> um, you get a, a little bit of an easier expected game, but at the same time, uh, the Rams just shellacked us for a half. So yeah. let's see how the 49ers and the Rams, two bitter division rivals, do this week too. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very interested in that one as well. Looking ahead to this next week, it's time for our survival pickums. We did have... More wins than losses from last week. Biz picked the Saints over the Titans. That was a win. Mm-hmm. Justin, guest pick, picked the Commanders over the Cardinals. That was also a win. I picked uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins uh, over the Bucks because I thought that the Vikings would be bad later in the season. And clearly I didn't realize they were going to be bad now, too. <laughs> uh, so that leaves the guests and Biz tied for first place and me having to look up, which... I hate this, but that tends to be my 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 lot in life with the survival <laughs> pick'em. But it's going to turn around this week. Biz has already phoned in his pick with us. Biz is going to be taking the Dolphins, an away team, at the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Ooh, taking a divisional game. That's that can be a little rough just because of the way that the you know emotions and tempers can flare. Like you just never know. But at the same time. We saw what the Dolphins were like last week. Like, who are we to say? Mm-hmm. Mark, you're the guest. I'm going to go ahead and let you pick before me. All right, so uh, I was looking at a few games. There's the the Packers and the Falcons, which I thought would be an interesting game because both of them won last week. Um, I'm not sure if their victories were surprises necessarily, but that could be an interesting matchup. And then the Bengals and the Ravens game, I think, would be very interesting because the Ravens could beat the Bengals and and set them to zero and two, which which isn't catastrophic as you've said before, but um, it's not ideal. But I think actually I'm gonna go with the Falcons over the Packers, and I think that uh, that the the Bijan Robinson show is just gonna just gonna take over. I'm, I I I think that with the Falcons' running ability. I think they have a better chance of beating the Packers and Jordan Love. And I think that Aaron Jones is also hampered with something, so they might have to rely on A.J. Dillon. So I don't know if that makes that pick kind of a 
a gimme, but uh, you never know. So, I mean, like if the Packers have to rely on the quad father AJ Dillon, I mean that could be a fun thing too. But usually yeah. does better when he's got Aaron Jones there to compliment him. Yeah. So you got the early game. You have the home Falcons beating the away Packers. I'm going to be taking a team that lost in week one. A team that we talked about a little bit, but they're going to be hosting their first home game this week. I'm going to be taking the former lead quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, to beat the Washington Commanders at home. Now, I have some high expectations for the Commanders. I do think that they're going to be around the same as they were last year, which is essentially like a six or seven win team. They also have a young quarterback on their team in Sam Howell, who looked fine last week, 202 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. But they also just barely beat the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And while I don't have lofty expectation for the Broncos, that team is miles ahead. Uh See what I did there? Uh, Miles (laughs) higher than the Cardinals are. So I'm going to take the Broncos at home to beat the Commanders. I also I didn't didn't realize, but uh, the Colts and the Texans are playing each other. That's another fun game with CJ Stroud, Stroud versus Anthony Richards. We were yeah. both on the same page. Yeah, but that one I I don't feel confident picking either way. I, I think yeah, you know I don't know. I mean the Colts have a yeah. better defense, but that's a tough one. You don't want to touch Chiefs at Jaguars. If Travis Kelsey doesn't play. I'd, I'd take the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to touch Browns Steelers on Monday Night Football? Ooh, that game's going to be on ESPN Plus. No. Don't even have to have anything. Well, there's two Monday Night games. There is. There's also going to be uh, Saints Panthers. So we get two divisional matchups in prime time. Browns Steelers. I feel like the Steelers will have a much better performance. And TJ Watt is, is a maniac. So we get to see a matchup of Miles Garrett versus TJ yeah. Watt. That's going to be an awesome. Who's going to be the most insane edge rusher <laughs> that week? All right, that's going to be our survival pick'em. Let's hope that I can catch up to the pack. <laughs> Small little stories here and there throughout the week. Some players have gotten injured. You know, both of the Seattle tackles might be going on IR for a little bit. They've already placed one. Um, but there's really only one like newsworthy story that I would bring up briefly, I'm not even going to call it a lightning round, is that the Colts have reopened conversations with other teams regarding potentially trading away Jonathan Taylor. Do you think this is going to get taken care of anytime soon? It's hard to say in the NFL compared to other sports, you know, when when uh, in the NBA or in the NHL or MLB, they talk about trading players. I always feel like it's just a matter of time. But Jim Ursay has been kind of weird about this whole thing, so... And I heard about some of the packages they were asking for were just nuts, like from the they Packers. They asked for Christian Watson. And like a first-round pick and yeah, and something. So it's just kind of like, yeah. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic that he will get traded. Somebody's going to have to at least consider paying running backs again because this is just getting kind of weird. We could spend an entire week of podcast episodes about that if we wanted to, but... Yeah. What I'll say on this is I don't think the Colts are incentivized to trade Jonathan Taylor quickly uh, because they're not expected to be a great team. They're developing a young quarterback that needs development in the passing game. So I think they're just like, hey, we're not hurting for it yet. They're probably going to push it all the way up to the trade deadline to be able to find the best package deal they can, unless somebody's just willing to make them an offer they can't refuse. 
I think we're still going to be in this conversation through October. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe a team with Super Bowl aspirations might be the ones to, if after like three or four weeks, really just throw out a, a good offer and, and maybe, like the Chiefs, maybe. Maybe, but they don't tend to want to pay their running backs anyway. They let Kareem Hunt no. go. No, I was thinking like the Chiefs, the Chiefs, like they draft Clyde Edwards-Elair and that was a total flub and they have Pacheco. Your favorite guy. I, you know, so what, I think it was my first year in the league or maybe it was my second year in the league. Biz is talking to me about taking CEH, you know, earlier. I'd like everybody's talking about him because the Chiefs just drafted him after winning the Super Bowl. And, and like everyone thinks he's going to be like great. And I was like, I had like the six picks. I was like, well, he's the top rated running back and just completely <laughs> derailed the nice season. So his first week was pretty good, but. It was mm-hmm. it was so bad after that. And I, I, I do I told Biz this numerous times. I do not think he will be in the NFL next year. I really don't. I think he will. I think he, he'll end up being like a third or fourth. Uh, maybe the, the Dolphins will pick him up. They have all the running backs in the world <laughs> on that team. <laughs> I, I'm a big Raheem Mostert fan. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And Jeff Wilson, too, is on that team. Yeah. Although he's on IR. Yeah. Anyway... That's what we got for this week's episode. Do you have any shout-outs to give this week? I, I do. So uh, I would like to give uh, two shout-outs, if you'll allow. One is to Biz um, for continuing to chase the dream uh, as a singer and for him going out to London and uh, spending months doing shows again. Um, my, I'm not sure anybody knows this, but my wife and I, we were opera singers pandemic we are not opera singers post-pandemic so it um it's nice to see somebody still out there and then i also wanted to give a shout out to you mark and biz mm-hmm. for doing this podcast it's just one of the things that i really like to listen to and i know how much time and energy it takes for you guys and i just wanted you to know that i really appreciate the work you guys put in well, thank you that means a lot to hear um, I don't know if we need to give Biz too much credit for anything, but at the same time, I'll, I'll, I'll give Biz that shout-out as well. Um, it, it's really hard to be able to make the uh, classical singing route work right now, and he's been doing it not only now, but through the pandemic. He was finding a way to be able to make it work. So yeah. that's off to you, Biz. I hope that the shows are going great. I think you're performing again tomorrow as of the time of this recording, but I do have a uh, a traditional sports shout out to be able to give in the uh the world of independent athletic sports we saw american coco golf finally win a grand slam event by winning the u.s open now i don't know if anybody saw that now viral video of her talking to the judge about the fact that her opponent i think it was in the quarterfinals uh taking too long that's a fascinating exchange to see back and forth but Coco Goff was just fantastic throughout all this. I believe this was her first one. Was this? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Thrilled to see Coco developing. You're one of the athletes out there that's making tennis fun to watch uh, and just showing that we are starting to get into this next generation post-Serena Williams. It, it's just fun to watch the women's tennis game. And with that, my drink is empty. Your beer is empty. And with that, the only thing that I can say is cheers. Cheers. Till next time.